Right, good morning once again. It's so good to see you all. What a beautiful day to worship the Lord. And uh, right now, here at our church, you know, we're going through this uh, uh, season of Lent and 40 days of prayer and, and leading up to the resurrection celebration of Easter. And it's a special time of the year. And right now, as a church, um, uh, we've been going through the gospel, the book of Luke. And uh, Luke was somebody who was not necessarily a disciple of Jesus at the time, but he was the one who interviewed all these people that surrounded Jesus, and he put into account the story of Jesus, and that became the Gospel of Luke. And we've been opening up from chapter 1 to right now we're entering to chapter 7 today, and we're looking at the life of Jesus. And he is writing, Luke, the author, is writing this to a man named Theophilus, which means a lover of God, and he was a Gentile. He was not a Jew. And it was very important because the Bible, all the history and all that is rooted in the Jewish origin. And now Luke is writing this and wanting to make this message go spread into the world. He's writing to this dear friend, Theophilus, and like, please know Jesus. And this message, because I think... I don't know if we have any Jewish origin in here, but most of us are Gentile, right? And uh, most of us. Uh, And uh, and that is something that is groundbreaking happening in chapter 7 because Jesus was truly amazed at the faith of the Gentile person. And we're going to get into that today. So, this Gentile man, a centurion, uh, a soldier of the Roman Empire, he amazed Jesus which means you and I have the ability to amaze Jesus with our faith. How to amaze Jesus is our theme today. It's not just an intriguing thought where, wow, our faith could huh, amaze Jesus. Is that even possible today? And those are the things that we want to consider. But um, speaking of amazing, something really amazing happened this week in my life. And I've never seen anything like this before. Um, Pastor Phil and I, you know, we're like, we, we hang out a lot. We play basketball together. And this week on our day off, we went to play golf for the first time in a long time. We, so we went out and play. Yes, we, 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 we go golfing, right? So we, uh, in Miles Court Park in Fountain Valley, we were there. And I don't know what round it was, but, you know, uh, Pastor Phil you know, he was pretty struggling with this uh, driver game. But anyways, uh, uh, but his iron was pretty good. And it hit, and it, the ball landed on next to this dude right here. There's a hawk eating his lunch, chomping on a little poor pigeon, I think. And, he, and he's eating, and the ball, my ball, which is Phil's ball, is right there. Amazing, right? But 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 actually, that's not what amazed me. Actually, what happened? And, and just check out this guy. I mean, this guy—he's the one that is like, you know, these days you see them a lot. And the picture of him just eating is just incredibly scary. And his—you got to see up close. It's huge. It's like it's literally is. And then that eye and the beak, and I guess you call that the claw, but it looked more like a knife right there. But he's like chomping on this. The problem is. Phil has to swing his club next to a hawk that is eating right next to him. And I kid you not, you got to see what happened next. Here's what happened. So the hawk is staring down at Phil. He's like, dude, what you going to You better stay away from my lunch. And Phil is just like, whoa. He has to swing this. And when he practiced swung, like, the hawk just like looked right at him. Like, yo. 
know, and we got to see what happens after this. <laughs> so, talk about a mental game, Phil. Talk about a mental game. You know, what was truly amazing to me was Pastor Phil with his CrossFit training for the past 10 months with his ripping biceps. He ran for his life from this dude. I mean, come on, Phil. Um, Sorry, I had to put it in there, man. So how to amaze Jesus. That's the thing to do. Let's go back to the concept of amazing Jesus. And two times in the Bible where Jesus was amazed. And we're going to look into that story. And we're going to look at how we could amaze Jesus in our lives. And then the lesson today from the Bible will teach us and help us not to panic, not to be overwhelmed when there's a hawk right next to you eating lunch. Anyways, but when life becomes like this unexpected, things come up in life, we will not be shaken. We will not be overwhelmed because we will have the faith to do so. And we're going to look at that. We want to be ones who will not be overwhelmed or panic when life throws a curveball at us. And that is what we're going to look into today. So if you have your Bibles, would you turn to Luke chapter 7? And we're going to look at verse 1 today from that. We're going to read it together to verse 3. If you could look at it right here. So that's actually to verse 3. So can we read this together? And here we go. When Jesus had finished saying all this to the people who were listening, he entered Capernaum. There a centurion's servant, whom his master valued highly, was sick and about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. So Jesus, right before this, just finished preaching one of the most challenging sermons, Sermon on the Plain. And if you missed past two weeks, we cover that in chapter 6. So if you have not heard it, go back to our website, go back to our Facebook page. Please check that out. But Jesus, right after that, he's entering into this town of Capernaum. Where is the northern part? It's a lakeside city, the Sea of Galilee. And it's, uh, it's, a, it's, it's a, you know, very north of Israel. And that is the area where Jesus spent the majority of his life. But as you might know, that that time, Israel was under Roman Empire rule. So these areas, all these cities, all these towns were uh, governed by the Roman, uh, or, or uh, uh, watched by these centurions, which is the Roman military, military leaders that were placed in these areas. So the, them, with, with their authority, and, and they're in control, so that the Jews are behaving, and that's the Roman soldiers and the centurion was there and this centurion we look at this story and we know that he has a servant which was probably a jew and he cared for him and he was dying and he wanted that jew servant jewish his servant to be healed so what happened is he sent jewish elders to go to jesus to ask him to come and you know we just read that maybe in some in passing but this is truly remarkable 
Because I was just there in Israel, and even today, the Jewish people and the Gentiles, they're not like real best buddies. You know, they, they got some history, and they, there's a lot of differences. And this is just a remarkable story, because this centurion, this Roman, the Gentile, had an incredible relationship with his Jewish community. And the elders, they're like the, the very proud Jew, went to go find Jesus for him. I mean, that's how much close relationship he had with them. And when we look at verse 4, this is really amazing. When they came, these are the Jewish elders. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him to Jesus. This man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation. He has built our synagogue. I mean, this is a fascinating story that is unfolding. So what do we know about the centurion? See, despite his allegiance to the Roman government and and the emperor, he loved the nation of Israel. He knew that these people, the Israelites, the Jews, they are chosen people of God. And God has blessed them. And he must also fear the God that they believe in. I mean, this is just an incredible faith that he's having. And then we learn that he has built them a synagogue, which is their place to worship. And that's the place where or they, that meant everything. That was their spiritual foundation for these Jews. And the Roman centurion built this for them. An incredible story, right? So verse 6, it says, So Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and the one come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. So we're beginning to know why Jesus was truly amazed the centurion. First of all, the centurion had a very keen outlook. Uh, he was able to understand the complexity of the Jewish culture and the Gentile culture. And he knew that having Jesus over, Jew, uh, Jesus, the Jewish rabbi, the teacher, come to a Gentile person's house was, was not very common. And he knew that that was really difficult. So he's like, you don't even have to come to my house. So he sent his people, his friends, to don't come. And then he believed that Jesus can heal. See, this Gentile person knew that this this Jesus was the Son of God who had the authority and power to heal. So he says, I just need to hear the word. You just need to say it. Here's the key. The centurion truly understood the authority of, of God's word, authority of Jesus and the words that he say. See, he was a man of an authority. He was a authority figure. He was under an authority and he was had an authority over his people who served him. But he truly, truly submit to the spiritual authority of Jesus Christ. And that is the amazing part. And he knew that words of Jesus had power to heal. He knew that. And this is what happened. Verse 9. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. Turning to the crowd, following him, said, 
I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Then the man who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. Another gospel writer says he was healed right when Jesus said that. It's an incredible story of healing. Jesus, with his authority, healed somebody. But the comment Jesus made right here, I have I've, I've never seen any faith like this in all of Israel. See, that shocked his Jewish audience. He's like, what? A Gentile faith? You're amazing. You've never seen that in us, any of us? I mean, they're like, we're the ones, we're the chosen people of God, right? You're being amazed at this Gentile faith? I mean, they were shocked. But there's a lesson here. Jesus is not really amazed at the accomplishments of our past, our knowledge, our background, our our social status, our income. Those are the things that we are amazed at each other in this world with our, our earthly eyes. But to Jesus, that didn't really matter. That didn't impress him. But what did impress, what did amaze Jesus was this faith deeply rooted in the authority of God's word. That's the bottom line today. That's the one thing I want to communicate with you. When our faith is rooted in the authority of God's words, that's what we want to aim for. So now, that's the bottom line. So you could go home. But let me continue if you, can, if you let me stay. Or if, you, if you're going to stay. See, after this event, the amazing thing is Jesus went on to demonstrate His ultimate authority over something that no human being was able to overcome until that point. And even today, but look at verse 11. It says, soon afterwards, Jesus went to a town called Nain and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him as he approached the town gate. A dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. A large crowd in the town was with her. So there's a funeral going on of this son. And back then, these, you know, when somebody dies, especially the only son dies, the mother had to afford and pay for a professional mourners. As, as weird as it sounds, they did that. So this mourning, this, this sadness went on for a, like a month where they keep on mourning in front of people, loud cries. They mourn. And, and, and this is a widow, we find out, which means he has no husband, and she will not be able to have great income. And the only, only hope she had was this son who would help her carry her life. But now he's dead. Devastated. Basically, here's a woman lost everything. And maybe not to that magnitude, but you might know how that feels like. Where you feel like you've lost everything. The hope is just going out the window and you're devastated. But that's when Jesus encountered you, didn't he? Just like he encountered this woman. Let's read this together. Verse 13. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her. You can say it. He said, don't cry. Then he went up and touched the buyer that were carrying him on. And the bearers stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, get up. Arise, Jesus said. Just, can you imagine the scene? How crazy 
that must have been. Basically, Jesus interrupts this funeral service and the procession. I mean, this is like borderline criminal, right? I mean, just imagine something like that would happen with all the police and, the, you know, where we have the, the, the... And then Jesus like, hey, 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 And he goes up to the coffin. He goes up to it and he's like, he touches that. And obviously, that was considered unclean. The dead body was unclean. And he just did not, did not really matter. Jesus went and touched and says, get up. I mean, can you imagine how wild that scene was? I mean, everybody was just like, what is going on? This is a madman. I mean, this is this crazy scene. I hope you could picture that. And jaw dropping everywhere, right? I mean, this moment, however, in that crazy, chaotic time, people witnessed Jesus' authority over death. That's what happened in verse 15. The dead man sat up, began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. So when Jesus spoke, the young man, I don't know, just like got up the coffin and says, hello, everyone. And Jesus like, no, 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 go, go talk to your mom because she needs to see you right now. You know, this, this Jesus taking him to his mom. I mean, who does this? Only Jesus, the Lord, our Savior. Only Him. And He's done that in your life, right? The time where you felt like hope is gone. The time you felt like you were literally and emotionally and spiritually dead. He said, arise. That happened to you, right? We have decided to follow Jesus, right? That's why you're here, right? Have you experienced that? I mean, if not... He wants to. He wants to give you life. He wants to give you life, not just now, but everlasting life. He wants to give you, He wants to bless you and invite you to the life with Him, just like this man that was brought up from the dead. But first, we must accept His authority over our lives. Does His Word have power in your life? Does His Word have authority in your life, the Word of God, is this something that gives you life? So I want to ask you a very personal question to you. Each person, I, I want to look each of you in the eye and I want to ask you this, not to scare you or intimidate you, but I want to ask you this, would Jesus be amazed at your faith? For a genuine faith, like the centurion, fully submitted to the authority of Jesus and His Word? Or will He be amazed at the lack of your faith? Remember when Jesus went to His hometown and He wasn't accepted? And people said, oh, that's Joseph's son. Isn't that the carpenter's son? What, he, what can He do? What kind of authority His Word have? And they failed to see Him as their Savior. Remember that story happened earlier? And then um, that's when Jesus was not able to do any more miracle because they did not see because these personal growing up with Jesus and Him being part of them made them not see authority of Jesus in their lives. They failed to see that. And you know what? In fact, they took offense to what Jesus said and they refused to have His Word have any authority 
in their lives. Even though Jesus wanted to do so much more miracles, so much more life-giving things, they did not receive because of their faith. And the only other time in the Bible where Jesus was amazed was this one. But for that time, he was amazed for the lack of their faith. And you know, I have to admit, there are times when that happened to me in my life. Countless times I know Jesus says, don't be afraid. Don't not fear. I have a plan for you to give you peace, hope, future. I mean, I've heard all that. But I got frightened. I got scared. When unexpected things in life happened or when when in stress mounted up, I'm, I was overwhelmed and I was like, I, I, and, and I'm panicking. There's a time when I was working in Japan after college. I moved there and I was kind of by myself and I worked for this company and I was working like crazy, like 16 hours a day. And I had, you know, and every night I'm so tired. And when that went on for a long time, my heart, my spirit, you know, it was tired, it was weary. And, and what happened was I was so stressed. And I didn't, you know, my, my fiancé at the time was all the way in America. I can't see her. And, and there are people in company that I, I, didn't not, I didn't know that well. And I was like all by myself. And I was like being accused of like some weird things. And it was just this time where I was like, man, where do I need, where do I find hope? And I know what Jesus was saying. He was saying, come to me. I knew that. But rather than seeking comfort in Him, in His Word, I took comfort in the earthly gratifications. I turn a lot to drinking. Every night I, I come home and I'm like, oh, i got to drink. I can't do this. i got to drink. And then what happened was that, that became a habit. And on the weekends, I was like, oh, I need more. I need more. And I went out with friends and just, just kind of drunk my Saturdays away. And then I'm at church, you know, kind of hungover you know, at her father-in-law's church. And it was like, man, I was stupid, right? But anyways, you know, that was me. Like, that was where I turned to for gratifications and comfort. I knew what Jesus was saying, but I was not willing to submit to that. I preferred my solution. So what happened was the Word of God wasn't above me. It, was, it did not have any authority over me. I knew what He was saying. It wasn't like I ignored it. Per, but what I was doing was this Word. I, I knew it, but I was like... I was like, I was sitting on it, you know? It's like, I knew it was there, I'm, but I'm, I, I didn't really care for it. It was definitely not above my head. It was not an authority in my life. So what I did is I, I found authority in other things. But where does that end up? More empty than ever. But you know, that attitude of us just sitting on the Word of God, not having this above our head, above our lives, in control of our lives, it, it's so common in today's world, don't you think? In this generation and, you know, in, in our lives, even as Christians, that's a problem. Because we hate the idea of submission. Because we feel weak. And especially when we have a distorted view of authority. And probably it's not your fault. But it is hard to submit. Because we've seen corrupted government. And abusive leaders, whether it's current or historically, some dictators that messed up, you know, big time. And we hear these stories. And perhaps maybe, you know, your parents have contributed to that distorted view of authority. Maybe your previous experience at another church where there was, 
you know, previous pastors and other leadership within the church have, have given you this weird, distorted view of authority, and you're like, I don't want to submit to authority. That's why we have to experience the perfect and pure love of God, and we got to know that. We got to understand, we got to feel that. Because the question remains will you accept authority of Jesus over our lives? And have that word of God speak into us and have power in our lives, not underneath. Because if we could do that, if we truly submit to that authority, you will amaze Jesus with your faith. And we get to live and celebrate life together with Jesus Christ in your life. But if not, we will still amaze Jesus. But that time, because of the lack of your faith, which do you prefer? What kind of life would you want to live from this point forward? You notice that the centurion in today's story, according to Luke's version, never met Jesus in person. It was, it was the Jewish elders who he sent, and it was friends that he said. He never saw him in person. You realize that? And then, remember that dead son? He never met Jesus in his lifetime. He met Jesus when he was dead, if that makes sense. But the word that came out of Jesus meant everything to them. They had authority over their lives. You too have never met Jesus in person. But you've heard what he said. You've heard his words. And he says to us, arise, young man, young woman, arise and live with me. You've heard those invitation, that invitation. Does that have any authority over you? I want a quick I want to share a quick story as we end. Um, last week, over the weekend, I was walking my dog. I might do that all the time. I, I walk my dog in the morning, at night, and that's, that's my role, right? So I'm walking my dog. Her name is Pinky. She's a little chihuahua mix, and, you know, she's small, right? And um, I'm walking her at night, and it was probably a weekend evening, and there was a for uh, an open house sign. You know, one of those plastic signs, like the one we have for Orange Coast Church. It's one of those signs. And it's, we have our regular route, and this sign was beside our regular route. And it was not supposed to be there, but somebody left it there. And, and my dog, I kid you not, when she saw that, she got so scared. Like her hair just like started rise up and she, her, her tail curled under her and she was so frightened. And I was like, what? It's just a sign. Come on. So we just went by. And then on the way back, we came the same route. Kind of wanted to know how she would react in that. But I came by. And I kid you not, once again, she just like ran for her life. Second time that week, I saw someone ran for their life. One was Phil. And the other one was our, our, my dog. In fear. Sorry, Phil. I had to... Um, I have to throw that in there. Um, but the sec, you know, and then I'm telling my dog, Pinky, it's just a sign. Like I'm touching it, I'm kicking it. It's not going to hurt you. And but she's so scared. 
And if it wasn't for the least, she would have just ran home. I mean, she would have been gone, right? And I keep telling her, it's okay, it's okay. But she was still trembled in fear. And after a while, I was kind of offended. Because my words did not have any authority over her. (laughs) My actions, like, it did not have any power in her. And here's where I'm going to make the connection between my dog and you. (laughs) What does God feel when we keep on traveling in fear and scared and overwhelmed and shaken up and, and just fearful, even though we've heard all His promises in our lives? See, God knows what those obstacles are. He, it's not unexpected for, us, for Him, but for us it is. But He's always telling us, it's nothing. It, it, it's nothing. And even if it does something, I'm with you. I, I will never leave you. I will protect you. So trust in me. Does those words have any authority over your life? When unexpected obstacles, challenging moments come in our lives, in the most unexpected times of our lives, we need to know where we put our trust. It's the Word of God. And with our submission under the Word of God and His promises, it's all for you. This is all for you and for you to live under and to be protected and to be guided. And when that is the case, there is no need to fear. There's no need to be overwhelmed. There's no need to be trembling in fear and anxiety and stress. So may our faith be deeply rooted in the authority of the Word of God, Jesus Christ. Amen, church? Amen. What's next? Weekly challenge. All right, so if you could take out your phones, take a picture of this, and I want you to take this home with you and just continue to ponder upon these words. So no, please read again uh, Luke chapter 7, verse 1 through 17 about the centurion and the widow's son. And I want to ask, you know, what really stood out to you in that reading? And then what did Jesus promise us? And I'm going to take you to John 14 and some verses out on there. And I want to ask, does this word, his word, have any authority over your life? And for the grow, what are areas or what area or areas of your life you tend to struggle submitting to God's word? You know what he's saying, but you're still struggling. Ah, I don't know if I could, that, those things. And then ask yourself and maybe share with your life together, small group. Why does that challenge you or struggle, keep you struggling? And then lastly. Please think of a practical way to demonstrate your faith in God's word and his promise. Practical way this week. And then please overflow with your faith. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word spoken. And through the life of Jesus, giving us promise and hope of life eternal. So God, with that promise, may we submit under that authority. And especially when we tremble with fear and when we run elsewhere than you, 
be re- help us to be reminded that where we need to run is to you, coming under your authority, coming under your power, the word of God has been spoken 2,000 years ago to the servant of that centurion that healed him. The same promise, same power that raised the dead to life, that is the power that is with us today. Keep us, keep us protected when we feel like we cannot sustain, when overwhelmed and trembled with fear and stressed out. Help us to know that we can't just sit on these words But make that above us and just submit to that every day of our lives. Would you guide us to that? Would you guide us to this new way of living and thinking? Free us from our past. Free us from discouragements. Free us from our past hurt and pains that distort the view of authority. God, I ask that you would heal us, our hearts. Heal this generation. And help us to continue to submit and to worship you and overflow to those who are still in need of your hope. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As we close this worship time, let's all just once again stand together and give one word, song of praise to our Lord this morning.